Hi, welcome to Bell Mary Podcast. Uh, I'm Marcus Kenmere. Divisional weekend is over. Down to four teams left. Headlines. San Francisco beat Minnesota 27-10. Cousins did outpass Gruffle in this game, but the 49ers' run game was unstoppable. They rushed for 186 yards compared to the Vikings' 21. Houston lost 31-51 to Kansas City. Houston went up 21 points in this game before literally choking all of them away with various interesting poor play calls and fumbles. There was also a fake punt attempt that didn't work. Uh, Mahomes, though, was excellent. Uh, Seattle versus Green Bay. Seattle lost 23-28 in a game that went surprisingly close. Almost identical stat lines in this game. Green Bay were the more effective team, ultimately. Less penalties, less turnovers. Oh, and Tennessee beat Baltimore 28-12. The first story of the week is on Green Bay and their 14-3 season so far. So, Green Bay had their first home playoff win in three years, which that surprised me, that. But the uh, the defence showed up mostly. The run game worked mostly. Uh, it was a reasonably concise performance and summed up their season very well, I think, because it was unremarkable, but ultimately they won. And I've been looking for someone, you know, someone to praise for their success this season, but it's been it's been hard to pin down exactly who is to, to blame for all of this unrivaled success in their game. Uh, the run game was good, not great. The defence has been good, not great all season. Rodgers has been good, not great, sort of usually called on in a few situations to make the odd play. Um, and coaching and play calling good, but again, not not spectacular. In fact, if you compare their team stats with last year and Mike McCarthy's last year, it's worse in as many ways as it is better. So, couldn't really pin down what they'd done to improve. Then, it occurred to me, when was the last time that Green Bay was pleasant? If you don't know much about the place of Green Bay. It's a reasonably small town on the north coast of the US, somewhere in Michigan, very cold, and the football team is owned by the city, probably because the football team is the only reason anyone would ever visit the city, uh, apparently, unless you like seafood, it's, it's, so it's supposed to be good for that as well. Uh, anyway, it's, for years it's been loud, as is any small town when it has sporting success. I mean, look at Leicester, it's been four years since they won the league, I think we still hear about that on a weekly basis. Uh, and since Mike McCarthy had their Super Bowl win, there's been a lot of this is our year and Mike McCarthy and Rodgers and defence and run game and ultimately disappointment. And then along comes Mr. Matt LaFleur. And in his first time as a head coach in a town where football is basically the religion, it's been very, very quiet. Rodgers has been happy at the podium, it seemed. Uh, happier than he has been in a long time, at least. They can run the ball again. They're defending again. Uh, they had some good free agency acquisitions that have helped their bolster their defence in terms of experience. And all we've heard each week is, yeah, it's good. Uh, we need to keep working and improve. And that's what Matt LaFleur has said week in, week out. And Aaron Rodgers, grumpy, arrogant, apparently sometimes rude Aaron Rodgers, was so contented during and after this game that he went around thanking fans and then talked in this press conference in which he's usually a bit, you know, can't be asked to be here, talking about taking it all in and a moment where he just stopped and looked up at the clock and just enjoyed his time on the on the football field. I mean, 
it's a really quite a nice story. And if Green Bay go to San Francisco and get hammered, which I think they probably will, then we are still at the point where the Green Bay fans sh- should go, do you know what, Matt LaFleur? Had a lot of stress at the beginning of the season, lots of things to sort out. We had lots of issues. We were loud and we had a lot of history that we thought we needed to talk about. Thanks for helping us find some peace, finally. And the Seattle game showed it. It's not all on Rodgers. They play as a team. They have each other's backs. And maybe once or twice, Rodgers is asked to make the big throw, which he's capable of because he's Aaron Rodgers. And he does it. So, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers, aren't the toughest team, aren't the most physical team, aren't the most exciting offense, aren't the scariest defense. But overall, they've just done a very nice, quiet and good job. So well done, Matt LaFleur. And good season, Green Bay. And good luck in San Francisco. All right, let's move on to the 49ers. Currently, uh, the Chiefs are favourites for the Super Bowl. That's verging on clickbait for me. Any team that goes down 21 points to the Texans, a team who are famous for starting poorly, clearly still have some problems. And yes, they still have the most talented quarterback, but... The last time, I can't remember the last time the most talented quarterback won the league over the last four winners have been Brady, Foles and 40-year-old Peyton Manning. Uh, In the Super Bowl, I want a good run game, I want a good defence and I want good coaching. And the 49ers have shed loads of both. They have the best D-line easily. They have a good secondary. Richard Sherman, since he entered the league, has more interceptions than any other cornerback. I found that out the other day. Interesting fact. They have athletic linebackers and they're getting better because Kual Alexander's back as well. And then they have the dominant running game with Coleman, Breeder, Moster and Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, who also all help in the passing game alongside Sanders, Samuel, Kittle, you know. The amount of talent they have on this team, young talent as well, are is particularly good. So I'm happy to have those guys as my favourites for the Super Bowl. But what I liked most about their game against the Vikings is that it feels like they that we still haven't seen them at full power yet. Uh, they went up front in both directions very early, and when Garoppolo made the mistake and threw the pick, Kyle Shanahan took all responsibility away from him and said, we've got this game, don't worry. We're going to run the... They ran a very good Vikings defence to death. Mike Zimmer is a, an amazing defensive coach, and he couldn't stop it. And I just... I get the feeling that the 49ers have a next gear when they need it. Um... We saw it very briefly against the Saints in the regular season, but they have so many toys on offense that have featured but not really been unleashed. And when the time comes, maybe if they play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl or maybe if Green Bay are particularly impressive this weekend, I really do get the feeling that they'll just be able to tear a secondary to shreds. And I don't think we've seen it yet, and I'm not sure we'll see it against Green Bay. But when it does come, it's going to be glorious so the 49ers for me are Super Bowl favorites do you know that their linemen neither Nick Bosa nor DeForest Buckner are the leading sack uh, people in their team it's one of their interior linemen which hasn't been done by a player in the NFL since Aaron Donald impressive and I can't remember his name but he is very good I'll tweet that out for you so that is it this 49ers my Super Bowl favorites all right titans ravens let's do it can't ignore it it happened can't just you know wash over it um i'll be brief on the ravens i said last week that i'd do a titans piece if they won and i will but firstly baltimore um this one's on lamar for me baltimore 
aren't necessarily a team that are good in a comeback situation. And the last time they did it was week three against Cleveland and they, you know, lost. So ultimately, so maybe they aren't built for good comebacks, but ultimately we don't actually know because as soon as Lamar faced a bit of adversity, he reverted to what he was comfortable with, which is running. Uh, he's 23 years old. That's that's my age. So he's young or youngish and not yet confident or maybe mature enough to realise that most playoff games are won in the fourth quarter, not the second. So when his receivers dropped a few catches, which they did, there were some terrible drops in there, and they had a couple of turnovers, it was really obvious that he was edgy and nervy and hot-footed. And that's the difference still between him and players like Patrick Mahomes. Because when the Chiefs were down 21-0, Mahomes was almost more excited. He has faith in his arm and his teammates and his offence, which Lamar didn't. So even when... The Chiefs had all sorts of drops. Mahomes continued to pass to his weapons and ultimately it worked. Whereas Lamar tried to do it all himself and not a single player in the NFL can do that against these defensive athletes. They're too good. Uh, he'll be better next year. He'll come back. He'll go away like he did last offseason and improve on the things that he needs to get better at. But ultimately, still too... Um, not Still not mature enough to win playoff games. Uh, the Titans, however, are now officially my favourite team left in the playoffs. I loved watching them play, and the stat line for this game is wonderful. Uh, the Titans had 88 pass yards. 88. That, that is rubbish. Uh, they had 230 total less yards than Baltimore. They had less time of possession. They were worse on third down conversions, and yet they dominated this game, and it, it never really felt or looked particularly close so I realised I didn't know much about Mike Vrabel, their head coach, so I looked him up. Fascinating. Firstly, this is only his second season as a head coach anywhere. Did you know that? I didn't. I thought he'd been around forever. And uh, the more I read about him, the more I liked him. He grew up in rural Ohio, which is cold and, you know, a bit dark and dank. It's where Cleveland is and it breeds tough people. He was born in 1975, so he's only 45. He's still quite young. He had a three-year scholarship at Ohio State, won all sorts of awards, uh, drafted third round by the Steelers uh, as an outside linebacker and then moved to the Patriots in 2001 as, again, an outside linebacker. In his time with Brady and Belichick, he won three Super Bowls and in two of these, he caught touchdowns as an eligible tight end and when he finished his career with the Chiefs, as well as being a defensive star, he had 10 receptions on 14 pass attempts all of which were for touchdowns, uh, giving him the best touchdown to reception ratio of any player ever. I'm not making this up. Uh, after that, he was a linebacker coach at Ohio for a while, then at Houston from 2014. He became defensive coordinator in 2017, you know, the year when Houston had a really quite a good defense. And then head coach for 2018 at Tennessee. Uh, some more fun facts. The Titans have now scored on 12 consecutive red zone trips. They've also won consecutive playoff games for the first time since 1999. They won the Super Bowl that year. And he's also said recently that he'd chop off his um his his member, his John Thomas, for a, for a Super Bowl. So that is the wonderfully bizarre career of Mike Vrabel as a player and coach. Um, and I think it boils down clearly to three distinct principles that have made Mike Vrabel's teams very successful in his two seasons as a head coach. He's been 9-5 and five and 9-5. and five. Uh, 
narrowly missed out on the playoffs last year and this year has beaten the Patriots in Foxborough and now the Ravens are home as well. So, the three principles. Number one, uh, discipline. They don't turn the ball over and they give away very few penalties. They didn't turn the ball over once against the Baltimore defence, which has been since sort of mid the mid-season one of the best teams in generating turnovers. And they give away very few penalties, especially on offense. There's very little false starting anywhere. They're very well drilled. Um, this also applies to sort of off-field issues. For example, at the beginning of the season when Taylor Lewan was in trouble for his off-field antics, uh, he refused. He didn't appeal the call. He allowed the situation to play out. May Taylor Lewan serve his punishment. Sent out a very clear message that even our best offensive lineman isn't against the rules of above the rules of the game. And if you do something wrong, you're going to be punished, and you're the one who's let the team down. So that's number one, discipline. Uh, number two. Efficiency in the red zone, um, as is clear from his his career as an outside linebacker slash tight end, he doesn't really care who scores or how, but they were very good at finding a way. Uh, their touchdowns in the Ravens game were one very good throw from Tannehill for a, a, just a good receiving touchdown. Then there was a, a sort of a designed QB run play that Tannehill ran in. And then there was the running back dunking over top to the eligible tackle who was technically a tight end in the situation and sort of snuck into the back of the end zone when everyone thought that Henry was just going to sort of barrel in immediately. So loves efficiency in the red zone. As the Patriots have always done, they like to find utility players who can get the job done once. And this moves me on to my third point, which is the most important one. The Titans make every yard hurt. And obviously this starts defensively. Against the Ravens, they played a very simple but a very effective premise. We're going to load the inside of the field and take everything that Lamar likes doing away from him. So Lamar likes quick and easy dives up the middle where he can get sort of five or six yards and then maybe put a move on someone. And he likes crossing routes because it means his his throws are less likely to be intercepted as they're, they're more often than not where tight ends can sort of just compete. And that's where Boyle got a lot of his production this year. So... The Titans played two high safeties that attacked forward instead of backwards. They put loads of athletic linebackers on and they made the Ravens play from the outside in instead. Every time Lamar tried to run, he was forced to the perimeter before he could get anywhere. Uh, his passing game up the middle was virtually non-existent. They had to force it all to the outside and it really pushed Lamar out of his comfort zone. The idea that instead of being able to run five yards forward, you've got to run 20 yards to either side and then five yards forward and then go back in and calm down and, and make a QB play again is exhausting and you want your QB to have low heart rate and composed and you know ice cold but if you're doing that amount of running every single play just to get the bare minimum of yards you're, A you're going to be tired and B it's very hard to come back and fast from a sort of a hot run into a situation of cold composure and it really pushed Lamar off his game and you could see it getting under his skin and then offensively they make yards hurt even more trying to tackle Derek Henry must suck I cannot imagine how hard it'd be to tackle someone who is six foot five uh 17 and a half stone and runs at 20 miles an hour usually straight over someone but he's also good with his feet and good with his hands and hands off as well he is like a fridge or a vending machine. He's an absolute beast of a running back and deserves the uh, offensive player of the season in a lot of ways because the team have relied on him hugely. But then, to complement that, they run an awful lot of these open pass trick plays designed 
QB sneaks and stuff like that, which are, if not as painful as tackling Derrick Henry, then definitely more frustrating because when you've finally stopped Henry and you've got, you know, two or three yards and you've got them on the third and seven, and then they catch you out with a sort of a designed QB run to the left where Tannehill just trots around the outside for an easy pickup or, or dunks up to a, an open receiver, that's even more frustrating because then you've got to reset and go again. So for a defence, it's absolutely disheartening to spend hours and hours trying to tackle Henry to finally get in a situation where you can make get a turnover or or get a turnover on downs and then, oh no, they've snuck around the side and they've got 16 yards on a QB run. So that is a Mike Vrabel team and they've been excellent this season at doing all of these three reasonably simple but quite hard to perfect things and it's everything I love in football. It's team over player, it's determination, it's military discipline discipline with just a tw- touch of flair here and there to cap it off and I really think that them playing the truce could be another big upset. Alright, before we get on to the final, I don't even think you can call it Akastak at this point, there's only two games less, but before we get on to the final, um, do you know what, I'm going to call it the Akastaka of the season, uh, Let's we've got a chance to dip into a couple of mailbag questions. First, uh, is Jimmy Garoppolo just Kirk Cousins? Well, first, you can't just say just Kirk Cousins, I understand your point, but uh, so there is a, a, th- a theory that's banded around by, and especially American pundits, that QBs are either... Uh, horses or carts they either drag the team that's horses or the team drags them that's when they're carts uh currently Garoppolo and Cousins are I think I don't even think you can say Cousins is a horse Uh, sorry is a cart I think Cousins is probably somewhere in the middle maybe the driver of the horse and cart Garoppolo currently has been very much cart his game management is a style completely and I understand why I mean if I was a QB of that situation why would you be trying to make plays when literally everyone else around you can um so I think he's done an excellent job like Cousins used to do of enabling his teammates around him and providing the right amount of sort of motivation and leadership in that situation so they're very similar in that way but Cousins numbers are much better than Garoppolo's season Garoppolo has been miles off the pace in terms of passing yards touchdown passes the Saints the 49ers despite being an excellent um, receiving team, are very much a run team, whereas the Vikings quite often had to be bailed out by their passing game and Cousins sort of had a 50-50 ratio in terms of sometimes he'd bail them out and sometimes he'd it'd all fall apart and he'd implode. So I understand what you mean in comparison, but they actually have been asked to do very different jobs this year and it's obviously much more successful for Garoppolo. Um, and I don't actually know that Cousins could come in and do the same job if he was at the 49ers but then I don't think that Garoppolo would do the same job if he were at the Vikings either so it's I understand your point of the comparison interestingly this uh the QB class this year in terms of the last four is fascinating uh of Garoppolo Tannehill uh Rogers and Mahomes Tannehill was the first drafted so obviously once upon a time he had a lot in the locker and people really were excited about Dan Hill as a QB prospect and we haven't yet seen him need to use that at all so it'll be interesting to see against the Chiefs if he has to sort of you know try and be the star that he once was excitingly so we'll see all that but no I don't think Garoppolo and Cousins are comparable I understand the idea of what you're saying but Garoppolo is a, a much neater game management than Cousins whereas Cousins shown much more of an ability to 
make the big play in big situations, which Garoppolo hasn't really been required to do very often. Uh, second question, what do I think of this Kevin Stefanski hire? Yes, good, good question. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is the new head coach of the Browns. He was offensive coordinator of the Vikings this year, so he was Cousins' boss. <clears throat> I think this is as good an acquisition as they could make at this point, given that, you know, Rivera and McCarthy were all gone. I think Kevin Stefanski... I never bought the idea that because the Browns were so terrible, they needed to have a poor... Like at the beginning of the season, where people were talking about Kitchen suited the Browns because he's like, you know, a bit rough around the edges and a bit ready and, you know, brash, and that's what the Browns need. Surely, if you want to be like every other team, aka not terrible, you need to try and set a precedent of being, you know, more professional and organised. So, Stefanski's worked under Zimmer for a lot of years, but he's an offensive mind, so that means he's got experience of how to build a good defence and has seen it firsthand, but he himself is an offensive you know, a creative person, which will work very well. Also, being at the Vikings, he's got experience working with a poor O-line and lots of talented wide receivers, which is what exactly what the Clevelands have. I think he'll do, try and do as much as he can to build a big run game, which is good. I think he will enable all of his receivers to try and, you know, be playmakers and stuff, which is good. I hope he can get on with Baker. Uh, I don't think it'll be entirely his fault if he doesn't. The big problem will be, can he adapt to going from on the Vikings staff to being the head coach of Cleveland under that owner and that GM and all of that, you know, dysfunction and weirdness in general. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think if the Cleveland Browns want to set a precedent of being a better team going forward than this sort of higher, you know, mature, don't hear a lot from him, professional, gets the job done, effective, I think that's the right sort of person they should be looking at. So do you know what, Browns? I think fair play to you. This is, this is, a mature and sensible hire and I give you credit for it. Now don't don't mess it up. And that will nicely and neatly bring us on to the Akasaka, the last Akasaka of the season. Well, second last. No, because when it's only one game, that's not, that's not an Akka, is it? At last Akasaka of the season then. Here we go. There is only two games. I've got one underdog, I'm sure you can guess which one, and one favourite. The Titans are plus seven against the Chiefs. The Titans are literally built to win up front in both directions, run the ball very heavily, and control, which is what they're going to do. I think the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are good enough that they will definitely win this game, or should. I'm not going to say definitely, but I'm not against the Titans. Should win this game, but... They aren't going to run away from the Titans. They're not going to have enough time to run away from the Titans. They were lucky against the Texans and they got they got sort of nine or ten series in the first four. They were, sorry, in the first five they were rubbish and then finally they kicked into gear. If they try and do that against the Titans, if they try and have five series off, they're only going to score seven because the Titans aren't going to give them nine series. They're going to give them six or seven at the absolute most. So, the Titans will win up front. The Chiefs' D-line is good, probably better than the Ravens, but not considerably better whereas the Titans O-line pushes everyone around and in the other direction as well the Chiefs haven't been that they again weren't that amazing at running the ball though it's a lot of Mahomes sort of making stuff up as he goes along and you know they're, they're, the, the Chiefs running backs picking up the odd yard here and there to sort of nickel and dime their way but they, it's not a dominant run game they're not going to go dominate against the Titans I do think they're also not going to pick up the easy yards like they did against Houston I mean 
I think three of the touchdowns were in sort of four or less plays. The Chiefs, the Titans don't give up. As we said, we, they make every yard hurt, so they aren't going to give up the easy pass over the top. They're going to keep everything in front of them and force the Chiefs to you sort of like bleed their way down the field five or six yards at a time and then get to the red zone, play with their backs against the wall and try and limit them to three points or so. I really think this is going to be an absolutely fascinating game. I can see the Titans and Henry getting out in front on the first series because adjusting to playing Henry is a, a big problem. So I think Titans go ahead, Chiefs start to pull it back and then the Titans are always effective in the in the final quarters of the game just because trying to tackle Henry after you've been doing it for three hours is horrible. So I want to see what else they've got in their locker in terms of trick plays and, and in, in, in inventiveness and stuff like that. And I also want to see if Tannehill... He made one really good pass for the first touchdown, but I want to see if Tannehill has it in his locker to be the playmaker that he was in college. Because if he does, and if he can keep, you know, giving them the odd free play, which the Chiefs do give up, and they gave them up against the Texans, then they will keep the Chiefs in range for a long time in this game. And it'll be, up again, probably on Mahomes and Andy Reid, who's not amazing in the playoffs, has had success this year, but has quite often bottled it in the playoffs. So if Tannehill can keep them in range and keep Henry rolling, then this game is going to be fascinating. I can't wait for it. Uh, the other one is the 49ers. I've got them minus seven and a half against Green Bay. You've got to think about who Green Bay lost to this year in regular season. Philadelphia, who are physical up front in both directions. Dallas, who are physical up front in both directions. They're going to play the 49ers, who have the best D-line, interior and exterior, and just combined, who are going to push them around, and then the most dominant run game. And... This will be the first time probably all season that Rodgers is asked to carry the team because I don't see this run game getting going. They struggled against the Seahawks to get it going properly and it sort of took until the fourth quarter to pick up. That's not going to happen against the 49ers. I can see the 49ers kept the Vikings, who are run game built, to 27 yards. So if Green Bay get 50 yards of running, not including Rodgers, I'll be, I'll be surprised and impressed. And it's on Matt LaFleur as well as a first-time head coach up against a team this dominant to lead his team in the appropriate way and react to what uh, what they need to do to make the 49ers suffer which is put it all on Garoppolo if they can keep it to the exterior if they can don't let the don't let sort of Kittle and, and the easy yards go and then in the other direction you know three and outs are going to be crucial in this game they want to they don't want to give the 49ers lots of series to get this run game going they again Green Bay want to keep this game close and tight and waste a lot of time so they need to try and get their run game going as much as possible pick up as many easy yards as they can and then in the other direction their defense needs to generate at least a couple of turnovers i'll say and I, I just it's a good defense it's been effective on the back end but i can't see them uh, the 49ers are just different class at this point aren't they and i think the 49ers even if this game isn't close is close at the beginning i think by the end just the dominance the 49ers have in the trenches we'll see them you know push on and run up quite a big score like they could have done against the vikings if they could have been asked let's be honest they kind of called it in against the vikings after a while and we're looking towards the next game so maybe they'll do that this week and green bay will have a chance but i can't see the the uh, 49ers not separating from green bay in this game so i've got them minus seven and a half i think they'll win sort of 30 to 20 or something like that And that is the end of the Akastaka. There's only two, so not particularly huge odds. You have to put a lot of dosh on it. Uh, and the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening. Um, again, I'll be in Cambridge somewhere in a sports bar 
watching these two games this weekend. They're going to be amazing. I would love you to come and join me if you fancy it. Or if you are further afield, then just watch and we will be on Twitter. I'll also uh, probably tweet out my Axe Stacker in more detail so you can see my reasoning there as well. So thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next week when we'll be on Super Bowl preview mode. Wait.